About a five-minute walk down the street from my house in Spain, there was another house where some students lived. It was an old church building, and on the top floor there was an open space where the sanctuary used to be. Other than a few old pews and a drained-out baptistry, the room was pretty much empty. But in the corner there was a large window overlooking the Mediterranean, and right in front of that window was an old black piano. I remember the first time I saw it. It seemed like a songwriter's paradise. I would end up spending hours at this piano trying not to make too much noise and bother the residents below. The humidity and the heat of the Spanish summers had taken its toll and rendered it a bit out of tune, but to me it just sounded like it had some soul, and music with soul is a far cry from being pitch perfect. I truly believe that there was a spirit of revelation in that old church. Many times I'd sit down and find myself singing lyrics and ideas I had never thought about before. Sometimes I'd get done singing a song and ask, uh, God, was that okay to sing about? Some songs I wrote there after singing them I never sing again, never wrote them down, and now barely remember them. Not because I didn't like them, but because I didn't feel the permission to let them leave the room. One other thing I loved about the space is that there was almost always someone else around. If I was singing a familiar song, as I was leaving I'd come back downstairs and hear someone humming the same melody as they were cleaning or doing the dishes or something. Sometimes I'd be having a real intimate moment of worship with God, crying and singing from the deep places of my heart, only to look up and see someone just sitting in the corner journaling or face down in worship. I mean, I don't know who they thought they were thinking they could just join in on my personal time with God. But... I guess that leads me into what these next few songs and really the next couple of episodes are about. It's about the fact that trying to lead people in worship doesn't have the same lasting impact if you aren't taking the time to listen to the songs of the people you're leading. As a worship leader, it's an incredible feeling to hear everyone singing a song you wrote, but I think one of the greatest privileges I've had is helping other people sing their song. One of those times was with a friend named Aubrey, who was in discipleship school. She had some lyrics and a little bit of a melody she wanted to put to music, so we found ourselves at that old piano, trying out different melodies, chord patterns, attempting to navigate our way through bringing life to what she had already written. The song was a beautiful story, intertwining both her testimony with God and her heart for others to know Him. It's such a vulnerable thing to open up your creative process with someone else, and a really scary thing to think about stepping into someone else's process. I've only done it a few times and only when the opportunity has found me, but man, it's an incredible thing. By the time Aubrey was leaving Spain to head back to Texas, her grandmother was on her deathbed. She messaged and asked if I could quickly record her song so that she could play it for her grandmother as they had always shared a common love for music. That day, I went up to the piano, recorded it, edited it, and sent it to her. She played it and sang harmony while her grandmother listened. This song ended up being the last one she heard on earth, and who knows, maybe it was the first one she heard while she was walking into heaven. It's the only one of these 31 songs on this podcast that I didn't write myself, but I felt really moved to share it. Sun is such a lonely star that shines throughout the day. Lives above the clouds So the world can wake and play And as it sits there Way up high All alone I wonder 
Does it ever wanna cry Locked in its throne Does it ever wanna cry Locked in its throne Baby, do you even know my name? Maybe, why are you playing all these childish games, baby? When you gonna feel it falling with me? When you gonna let your heart fall free? Carve my name in stone to leave it all behind. But I was standing all alone, and as I looked around, a voice said to me, Hope in something else, and you will be free. Hope in something else.
Many times I've struggled with the term worship leader for different reasons over the years. At one point, I didn't want to be called a worship leader because I figured if people follow me, then they can only go where I take them, and I'd rather people I'm worshiping with go places I've never been before. Other times, I didn't prefer the term because I felt it put unnecessary focus on the one person with the mic, when really it's each person who comes that has a responsibility to lead themselves into worship with God. I I get it. It's probably semantics, and I don't really want to try to figure out new names for the position, but I've always found it interesting that other than the Levites and King David, the idea of a musical worship leader doesn't really exist in the Bible, especially in the New Testament. I think that's intentional and really significant. There are a lot of things I wish others more mature in the faith would have taught me, but looking back, one thing I'm kind of glad that no one taught me was how to lead worship. I guess what I mean by that is that no one sat me down or trained me to lead worship. The way I learned was listening to those around me and just waiting to see where the Spirit was going, and from there, it was an adventure to find out how to follow. For about a year, every Wednesday morning at 7 a.m., I'd open up my apartment and invite people over for worship before classes started. Sometimes one person would come, and sometimes 15 would show up. I'd make really cheap coffee that I thought was good at the time, and if I woke up early enough, I'd run down to the gas station and grab some donuts. It was clearly bachelor-style hospitality. Sometimes we would sing the whole time. Other times we would meditate, share psalms, encourage one another with songs, really Whatever idea we had, we would go for it. It was all just one big experiment that was sometimes awkward, but never failed. My roommates were gracious and occasionally would even stumble out of bed to join. On the chance mornings that Guillermo, one of my roommates, didn't get up, he would tell me later in the day that he was worshiping in his bed, but I'm not really sure I believe that. We never really asked any of our neighbors if they were okay with the music so early, and every time I'd pass them in the stairwell, I wondered if they were annoyed. Right across the hall from us lived an older lady named Christina. She was from Denmark, and we lovingly referred to her as our Danish grandma, although never to her face. Our conversations were usually short and about the weather or something that was happening in the village. One time, I was at her house in the morning a couple years later having coffee and pastries. I was in a season where I wasn't traveling that much and hadn't had any meetings in our apartment for a while. As soon as I sat down, one of the first things she said was, What happened to all the music? I used to hear music all the time. First, I felt slightly convicted, because I hadn't hosted worship in a while. And then I felt dumb, because after all those mornings of worrying, I could have just asked her how she felt. Now, I miss those times opening my home like that. I miss the infancy of me realizing how incredible it was to see what God was doing in such a small group, pointed out and relinquished the rest of our time to that and only that. Out of those times came the first corporate worship song I ever remember writing. When I sing it now, I'm still taken back to a crowded living room singing at the top of my lungs and worshiping wildly, all the while trying to figure out how I can be free but not hitting anyone with my swinging guitar or my power lunges. I absolutely love times like that. You searched my heart Every room The deepest part Both hidden and revealed 
Speaking of worshiping wildly, have you ever thought about what it would really be like to worship undignified like David in that Bible story when he brought the ark back into Jerusalem? I have, and it's also been a dream of mine to one day lead worship at a men's conference and literally worship until we're down into our underwear. Okay, that sounded a bit more weird than it was in my head, but the point is it would be an all-out, completely undignified time. I've never been one who naturally wants to clap my hands or dance during worship, and usually got pretty annoyed if any worship leader tried to bring up the energy in the room by asking people to clap their hands or something. Not that I didn't think it was good for some people, but to me it just seemed a bit cheesy. I was naturally more drawn to the contemplative or rich theological type songs. I don't think I was justified in feeling this way, and really, when it came down to it, I didn't understand what true joy was in worship. If you've been in any charismatic circles, you might know what holy laughter is. It's when someone just gets hit with joy and starts laughing almost uncontrollably. This usually happens at a real inopportune moment, where things are quiet and seem serious. I'm not sure why, but maybe it's because the Holy Spirit wants to offend those in the room that need to be offended. I was definitely one of those people that need to be offended, and if I'm honest, I'm still sometimes one of those people today. It wasn't until I started hearing the testimonies people were seeing, like, I've been struggling with suicide and today was the first time I laughed in months, or I've been really cynical towards the church and judgmental of others, but today I started to dance and it all just went away. One of the strangest times I remember was while leading during a worship night over New Year's in Helsinki, Finland. My friends Ben and Nicholas and I had the all-important slot that started before midnight and continued into the new year. I remember after the countdown and the Happy New Year's yells, or whatever strange way they would say that in Finnish, it was almost as if the bass and drums got together and simultaneously started playing the rhythm and bass line to the Johnny Cash song Folsom Prison Blues. I have no idea why they did this. Maybe it was because I mentioned I was from Nashville and they wanted to honor me, but... In reality, I was thinking, are you kidding me? What the heck am I going to do with this? I tried not to let my face show it, though. I looked over at Ben, who had just given up and stepped away from the mic, and I looked back at Nicholas, who was on the guitar, probably struggling to know how to jump in, but also thinking this could be his moment to shine with some country riffs. I let a few lines pass to gain composure, came up with some lyrics, and then started singing. Well, I see that year are coming, it's coming round the bend, and it'll be the best one that we've ever seen. We've got the joy. Oh, we've got the joy. Honestly, I couldn't make this stuff up if I tried. I felt awkward, but then I looked out into the room full of Northern Europeans trying to shuffle to Nashville country, and I think we probably all felt a bit awkward, but there was definitely joy in the room. One of these moments of ridiculous joy happened back at that old church in Spain, when me and a friend Michael were upstairs sharing some music and worshiping together. I was showing him a song I had written about communion and the Lord's Supper, but it was different because it focused on the dinner party we would have when we all reunited after his return, rather than just Jesus' actions during dinner before he went to the cross. It was an upbeat kind of song that you danced to called Pour Out Your Wine. Michael and I absolutely went crazy singing this song. So crazy that something happened musically that had never happened to me before and has never happened since. We ended the song with a screamo part. Yeah, like the type of intense and uncomfortable screaming you hear in rock music. I don't think I had ever screamed so hard in worship, and by the time we left, I had completely lost my voice. 
I think of all the decisions I've made while writing this podcast, the decision on whether or not to give it a go and include the screamo version of the song has been the hardest. I've gone back and forth thinking about embarrassment, how it might ruin the song, how annoying it would probably be for anyone listening, but then I remembered, well, I'm mainly doing this podcast for myself, and don't have any plans to try and send these songs off to some label and catch their attention or something. So, here it is. Pour out your wine in all of its fullness and strangeness. Pour out your wine I'm ready to drink up and have a good time Out with the old and with the new Remembering the love inside your veins intoxicated With the joy that sets me free Your death that brings me life 
Fill my cup up, you know I want some more. Fill my cup up, you know I want some more. Fill my cup up, you know I want some more. You can't handle anymore. You can't handle anymore. Fill my cup up, you know I want some more. Fill my cup up, you know I want some more. Fill my cup up, you know I want some more. You can't handle anymore. You can't handle anymore. Fill my cup up, you know I want some more. Up, you know I want some more Fill my cup up, you know I want some more